0: Excited, honestly. Do I feel sound a bit relaxed. I'm not. I, I'm mega excited. I can't believe that I'm saying this is the Two Shot Podcast. It is episode twenty. I think it's just flown by. Um, and this week is is as special as every other week. Uh, but it's twenty. It's episode twenty, and we're a very relatively we're a young podcast. You know, we're new. You know that. But I'm really proud of every episode that we do, that we put out, and the guests that we have on, sharing just incredible stories. And this week is no exception. This week it's Mr Danny Mays. Uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, I love Danny to bits. He's been a really close friend of mine for donkeys. And, uh, yeah, we used to live together... Um, and I've always looked up to him. He's he's an exceptional actor and he's hilarious. Uh, and I love spending time with him. And what better way than to do it on the podcast? I know you're all excited. Um your messages this week when we announced it was Danny. Um, yeah, you're you're as excited as we are. Now you know that uh we've started the Patreon thing. Patreon.com forward slash two shot pod for people who want to throw us some money if they like what we do because you know we do this out of our own pockets we are not part of any sort of network of podcasts or we're not sponsored you don't hear any sponsors on this podcast there's no um i was gonna actually say a very well-known sponsor of a lot of podcasts then i thought no i better not do that if they're not going to give us any money for it but the people who do give us money for it are you guys And we are grateful for every pound or whatever it is that you want to give us to show your appreciation and to keep this podcast going. But there are a few people who just go a little bit further and they are the super backers, the patron super backers. And I've got three this week that I want to shout out. Adele Silva, are you listening to me? Right, Your generosity and your support throughout uh since we've started the podcast is is we're so it's so great we're really grateful for it see i'm lost for words um who else have we got kevin proctor thank you my man you're so so kind um i'm really really pleased that you're enjoying it i don't know why i said kind like that. am kind i don't know where i'm from I'm supposed to be from blackpool ridiculous <laughs> sarah figurido 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 i hope i'm saying that right um apologies if not but thank you so much um yeah we're, we're kind of gobsmacked we always thought that if one person listened and got in touch and said oh yeah no i really like that episode i like what you do we thought oh well, that's great that's, we've sort of you know entertained or inspired one person but the fact that we have a, a growing listenership is uh, quite overwhelming. Anyway, I'm blathering, as usual. But what I need you to do, well, if you want, stay around for after episode 20. I've got some very, very exciting news. Um, It's just happened in the last sort of three days. um, And I haven't posted it anywhere me and producer Griff are still discussing things, so there's a certain few things I can't tell you, but the main bulk of it is that I can tell you. So stick around at the end. Oh, and one more thing. A little birdie has told me that it's somebody's 40th birthday this weekend. Wes, Where's happy birthday from all of us at Two Shot Pod. I know you were going to go and see Shed 7 in Dublin, Poor Rick Witter, he's not too good, but don't worry, you'll still have a fantastic time. So loads and loads of love from us here at Two Shot Pod. Take care, Wes. Enough of this, let's get on to that. It's episode 20 with the brilliant Mr Danny Mays. Enjoy. How is half term when you're when you're acting? And you've got two kids with you and Lou. Do you think
1: it, does it work out? Or does it get a bit heavy sometimes? Um, it's trial and error, isn't it? It's it's sort of at the moment it's fine because the thing I'm filming it's so spaced out. We can uh, we're off to Bordeaux to lose cousins, so uh, we haven't actually had the opportunity to go there for over a year. They've been there over a year now, but because my my Mino was in Matilda. Of course he was. So he, he was slaving away on the West End stage for six months, so it sort of dictated where we could go and what we could do. Yeah, yeah. Has it been trouble in the past, do you know, juggling work and kids? Do you find it hard? Um. Well, before they go to school, it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, geez, I remember doing a job uh, outcast in South Africa. Uh, that was before Mino had started school, so it was great. You can take them out with you. Uh, the production company Kudos accommodated it all. It was, it was fantastic. And he had an amazing experience. The tricky thing obviously happens when you, uh, you know, they're in school, uh, and you have to balance that up. I've actually, you know, the, the older you get and the kids mature and those long periods of time away, with filming, you have to weigh it up. Is it, is the sacrifice worth it? Yeah. Uh, I actually turned something down like this year, again in South Africa, um, purely because I actually wanted to be around for Milo. In his, with his experience of, of Matilda. Well, so, it's
0: important because you can't get that back. If that goes, no, you can't no. do that again for you. That's done.
1: But then, you know, we've all got to pay the mortgage and the bills and, you know, tuition fees or whatever it is. So sometimes you just have to, yeah. you know, saying yes to a job, is, it's always like a whole, you know, variety of reasons why you say yes to it. Yeah. Sometimes it is for your bank balance. There's yeah. no question about that. Of course. Uh, it's a it's a lifestyle thing, isn't it? It's a life choice Uh, the, the dreamland is when you do something artistically fulfilling and you get the payday along with it. It'll it'll
0: come at some point, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'm sure it will, you know. (laughs) Talking about paying the bills and stuff, what did your mum and dad do to pay the bills?
1: I've got to stop the interview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll tell you about that in the intro. Um... But growing up in Buckhurst Hill.
1: No, that made out that my mum and dad were doing sort of weird, <laughs> unsavoury jobs for a living, doesn't it? This goes back to something yeah.
0: that me and Danny were talking about pre... He was a bailiff. Pre this chat. <laughs> uh, Mr Mays wasn't a bailiff. What was Mr Mays? What did he do? My
1: dad still is an electrician. He worked for a company called Taylor Woodrow. Yeah. Uh, and in Essex, up, yeah. In Essex. Right. So I grew up in Buckhurst Still in Essex. And then... Um, When I was very small, he uh, started his own business, London and Essex Electrical, with his business partner, Charlie Butcher. Give it a plug. There you go. Uh, (laughs) He's still available for work, (laughs) everyone. He'll sort your lights out, no worries. Um, And my mum was a bank cashier at Midland Bank in Loughton, and then Dad's business was going well, and she then started to be his secretary. So, (laughs) yeah. Keep it in the family. Yeah, and... uh, It was amazing, really. Um, I just got... He still goes out in his van now, you know, got the most untidiest van (laughs) (laughs) in London. Just throws all his tools in the back. I, I have strong memories of me sitting in the back of his van, you know, and, like... Tools bouncing off your head and things like that, him driving crazy. Does
0: he have one of those stickers on. on the back of the van saying, no tools kept in his van overnight?
1: I think he... Have you, listen, he's had his tools nicked enough times I, know, time I think it's van. awful, but yeah. like, I don't really You understand. don't want to go near him for a week when that happens. But
0: I've, yeah. I've seen it happen to... I, someone put it on social media that somebody had taken someone's livelihood away the other day. I just yeah, it's shocking. It's absolutely terrible.
1: Horrendous. But no, so they... um I think my dad, I mean, listen, for me, he's the hardest-working man I know. I mean, that sounds a bit clichéd when I say that. You know, I'm one of four boys. I've got two older brothers, Paul and Jonathan, and a younger brother, Ryan. What do they do? Uh, Paul's a cricket groundsman. Jonathan works in waste now. He's a salesman. Uh, He used to work in, like, an arcade... Uh, salesman uh, in uh, Cosmic Video that folded. Uh, he's now in waste. And Ryan's uh, a money broker in the city. Well, in Canary Wolf. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm the only one. You know, cousins, brothers, friends, really, from that area that that wanted to go into show business. Really wanted where, to act. Where do,
0: what was what was primary school like? What how far? What memory wise? Mm. How far do we go back with you? With memory wise, what do you think? What of, in
1: terms of in terms of sort of primary school? I went to St. John's C of E in Buckerstill. The first ever, I was thinking about this, the first ever performance I ever did. I can't believe I'm going to share this with you now. (laughs) They did a play, they did a production of 40 Towers. At what age? I was was, um, at infant school, man. It was like young. Really? Yeah. And I remember they, I do remember some form of audition or something like that. And my mate, Glenn Watts got Basil 40 and I didn't, that's the role I wanted. (laughs) And I was devastated. I can remember crying and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, so I didn't get the gig. And then Glenn Watts was (laughs) rather naughty and he lost the part and they gave it to me. But I can remember on the school stage at St. John's, Danny Williams was Manuel, all that sort of stuff. But um I could, you know, it's mad how your memory goes all the way yeah. back. That was actually the first ever, you know. I can remember being on stage, I can remember people laughing, I can remember the response to it. Um so yeah, there did you go. I mean, up, the first thing up? I went up for, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a there's a pattern here. <laughs> Welcome to the world of acting, Danny. <laughs> it ain't gonna change
0: (laughs) well did you get the buzz then do you think would that where it start it must have started prior to you well you must have had a little something in i'll
1: tell you what it is i think and someone uh a a journalist interviewed me and you know being one of four boys yeah uh you know it was a rather loud boisterous but loving household sports mad it was either golf football or cricket um that come from your dad yeah, my dad used to play uh, for Kelvin and Hatch. He was a fantastic footballer, as were my two older brothers. I mean, they're quite dominating presence, really, in the household. Particularly my older brother, Paul, was probably the best footballer out of all of us, you know. Um, uh, and I just followed in their footsteps. I mean, way back when, I mean, I was like most kids. I just wanted to be a footballer. Yeah, I was captain of Loughton Boys. Uh, I played sweeper at the back, you know, um, shouting away and ordering people around. Um, So that's really what I wanted to do. I was sort of really into sport and things like that. But then gradually, I think being, you know, the third in line and being that middle child, you sort of shout to be heard a bit and maybe the acting thing kicked in or performing kicked in to just to try to be different. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Because I was always, I was always jumping around doing impressions. I was either doing Frank Bruno or Prince Charles or, you know, pulling my ears out and all that sort of stuff to be mum and dad's friends. So I was always, there was always a sort of need to be loved <laughs> no just to be recognized yeah but whether or to that be was a, but but this journalist said well maybe that's you know subconsciously that was happening because you were you know one of you know a middle child and so um and also in a male-dominated house yeah very you know it was very uh yeah that like male-dominated it was very um You know, there was always something happening. Um and my mum and dad in particular were very they're very gregarious people. Do you know what I mean? They were very they're very social people. Mm. Uh we would always go away on a holiday. They've got a huge network of friends. So not they're really popular, but they are you know what I mean? We would go away to Cornwall and all these places and uh, you know, one of my best friends, Matthew Farr, he's one of four boys. So it was like in Buckers Still there was the Maze Boys four there was uh, my mum's best friend, Rita Farr. She had four boys, and there was another family, the Gibsons. So you had the the, the Gibsons, the Mazes, and the Fars. So you can imagine the stuff we all got up to. <laughs> I won't say anything more about that. Um, do, you have a, do you still have a close relationship with your brothers now? I do, I do. I mean, I've been really lucky, both with my brothers and me mum and dad. They have never wavered in their support in... in in the sort of career path that I've chose. They've, I've been so blessed in that respect. You know, it's sort of a bit left field, isn't it? You suddenly turn around. Because it all really started with dancing, really. When did the dancing come in? Well, as you know, Craig, I can do a mean <laughs> Michael Jackson impression. I know this, but I've got to, uh, I've got to throw build it up out to there it. to the listeners. I've <laughs> got to build it up. <laughs> Kick on Billy Jean now. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really where the whole thing started.
0: Did that come, so that come after Faulty Towers? Was this still at Lincoln Oh yeah, School? that
1: Faulty Towers was way back when and then I was playing football and just being a normal boy um, and then one, I'll tell you what, exactly what it was, it was, I was probably about 11, I was about 11 or 12, mm. I opened up my stocking at Christmas, my mum put in a cassette of Michael Jackson bad along with a Michael Jackson video, The Legend Continues. Um, see, it's just ingrained on my brain. I can remember it like it was yesterday, and so like a lot of kids back then, he was such an amazing singer, wasn't he? Yeah. And I was really into that. And then she took me. My mum. She took me to the Bad Tour at Wembley. Uh, so I was eleven, and uh, Rita, uh, my mum's best friend, Rita went. She took her son James Far, and I went with my mum. And I remember, I just remember queuing up to get in. And I'd, I'd never been to Wembley before in my life. Or I, I might have done to see an England game, but I'd never been to a concert like that before. I'd never been in and amongst a sea of people. I couldn't, you know, like that whole world is so small to you, like yeah. when, you're, when you're that young. And I couldn't quite get my head around that all these people had turned up to see this one person, you know?
0: And, there's a real and we voice. were
1: actually standing. We actually managed to get on this sort of scaffolding box thing. So we were actually not. We were not on the seats or on the pitch. We were, like, halfway sort of in between the two. So we were slightly raised. We had an amazing view of the stage. And the steward was like, yeah, you're all right, just stay there. So we actually lucked out. Yeah. And then he came on. And I swear to you, Craig, it was like a light bulb moment. As you know, I've told you this. <laughs> but it was literally the end of Billy Jean, there's, like, the, the dance at the very end, and he goes into sort of, like, a... Um, it's just him on his own in the spotlight at the end. If you've seen footage of that on YouTube, yeah. and the guy, go- and it's just him dancing, and he's got the 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 hat, the sequin coat, the glove, everything like that. Absolutely hypnotised me. I, I'd never seen anything like it, and it was like a light bulb moment. I just thought, I want to do that. I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. And naive. I don't, think, I, it's, I don't I, think it sounds naive at all because I think when but, something like that happens, yeah. <gasps> It's,
1: yes, yeah. it's the boys. It was the absolutely. It was magical, and that—that was me. I would then. I went back. I've got the hat. I've got the the towel in socks. The black loafers,
0: half mass trousers, and I
1: was locked lock myself in the bedroom, and I was just mastering mastering his dance moves. And it became it became my party piece. It became every school disco. Michael Jackson came on. All the kids, all my mates, would make a big circle, circle right, and th- that would be my thing. And I'd be in the middle. Doing all the moves, the moonwalk, the kicks, everything. I can remember going on to centre parks with my mum and dad and all their friends in the chalet, all the dads playing, uh, poker in a makeshift roulette wheel. Yeah. And all the mums, me running back to our chalet, getting the white cassette recorder <laughs> and me black drill me back, coming back and entertaining all the mums. And I remember going round with the hat and all the dads started throwing pound coins in me Goodie. hat as I went round like that. I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. So it became the thing. And it was from there that um I them we went to Stage 1 dance school, which was in Loughton, which was my local area so, that t- Next Town on. So up till then, you, it'd just been you sort of mastering and practising it in your
0: bedroom. You hadn't really had any... You'd gone to any dance classes or anything like that?
1: No, nothing like that. I was sort of self-taught in front of the mirror and, um, and then I went down to Stage 1 um, yes. because I'd obviously showed an interest in it and an enthusiasm... And I went in there, and there was only me and another boy called Jamie. And I didn't go back. <laughs> didn't you? No, there was always full of girls in leotards and tights and everything else. And of course, they weren't doing, doing ballet or they whatever. Weren't doing no, Michael Jackson. Was, songs. No, but it was like it was like jazz dancing, really. Right, okay. But it was only me and another boy, and uh, I just shied away from it. I thought I can't do this. And but it was always ticking away in the back of my mind. And my mum said, "Well, why don't you go back?" And I went. Then I, I rejoined. How long ago? What? It was like a put. I don't know, like six months later or a year right. later or something okay. like that. And I can, and then I stayed with it. And then I do remember they had like a, a huge sort of uh, dance competition, uh, and you, and everyone used to get up and do their pieces. And I obviously did me, my Michael Jackson. my me Michael Jackson was to Man in the Mirror. It wasn't to Billy Jean. That was the song that I picked, and I, I ended up winning it. And I've yeah, yeah I won that got the trophy. So it was like this amazing thing and uh, the Gazette, the local paper came round <laughs> and took a picture of me. There was me and me, all we get up and that. And so it was a sort of first sort of, I don't know, recognition or it was something to be proud of. It was something that I'd applied myself to. Yeah. Um, and that was me going to stage one. And so I was playing football at the same time and going to dance school. Like, so
0: you're still keeping up the sports. Yeah, so I was still
1: Captain of Loughton Boys. I remember going to Loughton Boys training once and I had my Michael Jackson tour T-shirt. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. remember buying that when I left the concert. I remember in the tube walking home with my mum after that Michael Jackson concert. And I remember, like, huge posters, like the, the touts, selling yeah, them, things yeah. like that. Just everything I remember about that day is just like it was yesterday. Um, and so these things were going on and then I just became more infused and interested in performing. And then the football really, like... Did it take a back seat? It just started to take a back seat, yeah. And academically, how were you at school? I went... Oh, I've opened me uh, sparkling mineral water, and it's gone everywhere. Um, <laughs> I was good. I was... I was uh, Did you enjoy it? Just normal secondary school. Yeah. Well, what happened was I went to West Hatch in Chigwell mm. for the first and second year. Um, I was, I guess one could say not class clown, but there was all that sort of going on, wasn't it? You always, always the center center of attention and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what happened was I was, uh, still at stage one, Caroline Hurst, who's still a dear friend of mine. And it was really Caroline, uh, the dance teacher there who, turned around to my mum and said look do you he's got something here and he's enthusiastic and she saw a spark in me and she said what do you think about going to stage school so it was really Caroline putting it out there and what did you feel about that when she said um I didn't know what to think of it really I couldn't really imagine because you had no frame of
0: reference did you no not at all no
1: I couldn't imagine myself like what do you mean like I've got to go to school up in london and and do and you know be a a stage school kid and you know not go to school in my local area it was such it was just an alien idea to me and uh so because caroline herself had gone to sylvia young um but the wheels were put in motion and Where I auditioned for was Italia Conti. I think I auditioned for Sylvia Young, if I remember as well. No, I auditioned for Sylvia Young. I I auditioned for Raven's Court, is it? And I also auditioned for Italia Conti. Right. And the thing that was brilliant about Contis was the academic side and Cliff Vogt, who was the headmaster then, um, Cause there was, why? Because there was a nice balance between the two? Yeah, I think academically we felt that Conti's was a lot stronger than any uh, of the others. And if I was going to do this, I think, you know, my mum and dad said, if you're going to do this, we don't want your schoolwork to go down the pan, you know what I mean? You can follow your dreams of wanting to, you know, perform and, you know, do mu- musical theatre or whatever it is. Um, but we obviously want to keep, you know, the academic side ticking over as well and for us t- Conti's just fitted the bill and so I auditioned <clears throat> and I left uh, you know my local secondary school West Hatch How, and did, that how was, did
0: you feel about that? Because obviously you'd made friends there for a couple of years
1: Uh
0: Or, or had you?
1: No I had yeah. yeah I mean I was very popular you know what I mean I had a lot of I had a great time there and um, it was but it was scary I remember it being scary I remember going up to the shop in uptown and buying the blue uniform, you know, the Conti blue uniform with the badge and everything. And, um, but all of a sudden it was, it was, it wasn't just Michael Jackson dancing. It was tap ballet, uh, jazz singing, acting, improvisation. It was all of that stuff. And, and it was an agency at the top of the building. Right. See, this is the thing, you know, Stage schools, uh, I don't know if it's changed now, but I think it's still the policy at Italia Conce is that there's a working agency there. So every, everybody who goes there signs with that
0: agent at the top? Yeah.
1: Right. So um, there I was, you know. I, I got the train up from Still on the central line All, on my own, yeah. Every day? I, yeah. There was so, another guy called Matthew Coates who came from Epping and we used to meet up. So how old were you now, 14? I was 13, I 13. think, 13, 14. And mum used to pick me up at the, um, station when I came back. And
0: obviously all this wasn't free. Did you get a grant for this? I got
1: a, I got... A I scholarship to, Yeah, I got or... a local, um... Uh, county grant. I remember having to go and do a, um, some sort of performance. An acting piece. And yeah. A, or like a poem or something. Um... I uh, most probably did Michael Jackson again. <laughs> he's, he's done all right for me. <laughs> if it ain't broke, then. Hey, cheers, MJ. Um, <laughs> if it ain't broke. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I did I did get some financial help from right. a local grant, but I also think mum and dad contributed some of it as well. Because um, how long... Obviously, you were going to be there up to your GCSEs. Is that what yes. you were thinking? Yeah, so I did... Um, three years there but it was an absolutely joyous time actually it was um <laughs> you know stage schools like full of you know kids that are always the most outgoing and and sort of popular and look at me and all that sort of yeah. stuff you know in every school you've been, yeah. you know so they're all just there in one building and it was an unforgettable and joyous and fantastic time um made great friends, had a lot of laughs and learnt a hell of a lot, you know? And it was only when I was there that I met uh, my first acting teacher, Dennis Noonan. I actually presented at the Teachers Awards on Wednesday night this I week. Oh yeah. And um, I gave a shout out to Dennis, who was my first acting teacher, who is an absolute card, one of the funniest characters you'll ever meet. And... He was just extraordinary for me. And we just hit it off from the word go. And he was the first person. He, he broke all the rules, Dennis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what it was, it was that sort of thing of getting you into the space, freeing you up, losing your inhibitions, and just putting you into a scenario and just letting you go. I'd never, I didn't know what improvisation was. And it was like a light bulb moment, like going to Wembley and seeing Michael Jackson, a light bulb moment. Of going, wow! You can use your imagination and go off at a tangent and say anything, what you feel, and just there's no rules. There's no rules, and you can make people laugh, and you can make people cry, and you can do all this sort of stuff. You know.
0: So was he a massive inspiration for you? Huge,
1: very close to him now. One of my best friends, uh, indebted to him. He, I feel like, you know, you you get great teachers, don't you, along the way. Another teacher I should mention actually, Italia Conti. As you know, I love my artwork as well. I do a lot of oil painting, yeah. not as much as I'd like to, but um, I had another hugely influential teacher there called Jane Todd, who took me through my GCSEs, who is an absolute inspiration for that for Italia Conti and a wonderful teacher. She's still there. She's still there, yeah. Right. She gets phenomenal results. She got me an A star in art she just... The, both those teachers, Dennis and Jane, were teachers in which they listened to you, they listened to the individual pupil and they fired their imagination and they used the strength of each individual and just let them soar. God, it's so incredible to hear that when that happens. Yeah. Because I don't
0: think it happens enough nowadays. No. And, of and, course, and, class sizes are, are much bigger yeah. nowadays.
1: So they were massive, massive uh, influences Where do you me. think the
0: touching on the art a minute where did that come from was your mum and dad could they draw
1: could your brothers draw no not really no it's sort of like they're going to like this podcast are they Um, (laughs) no it was I was always able to pick look at something and sketch it I was always able to look at anything pick a pencil up and copy it copy it I could copy it and I, I, it would take me ages. I mean, I, I, I'm... I But you stick with it. Craig, if I'm oil painting, I remember one oil painting took me... This is when I was about 16. It took me all summer to complete. But I'd get up, and it would be like, sort of, I'd religiously go back to it until it was perfect, you know? And uh, it, it, it's sort of long and arduous and time-consuming, but... um I mean I don't really do it now and I should do really it probably chill me out a lot more. Do you ever get to that point when you're painting right it's finished
0: when do you know when when to stop?
1: Uh I think it comes to a natural point where you know when to um put the brush down. Yeah. But um again it was all from Jane Todd she would say where's your sketchbook take your sketchbook out with you sketch every day look at something so I've always been looking at people and observing it, whether it be you know, I remember taking my sketchbook on the tube, tube spotting and just drawing someone and things like that. It's a great uh discipline to have. Yeah. You know?
0: Even if you're not an artist. Even I suppose, if you're not to people watch is incredible. I mean yeah. we're in obviously we're in uh you know, the heart of London now in Soho in the summertime yeah. to sit outside this mm. cafe that we're in now and just to catch little that's all p- what bits we do. As convers- well, exactly. That's exactly. We just working, observe,
1: yeah, and we steal. That's yeah. all we do.
0: So, so- there are other things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what where are we now, We've
0: graduated. We've got our GCSEs. How did you do? How did that? How did that? I did really well. I did great. I did like you so know the balance of being artistic and academic really worked for you there.
1: Yeah, but it seemed to be an amazing school, Italia. It was an amazing school. It was, it was, like I said, I've got nothing but the highest of praise for the headmaster, Cliff Vogt, because he, he ran it brilliantly, you know, as much as the vocational side was top, top draw, as was the academic side of things. Because it must be um, hard to balance.
0: For some children, yeah. for some children just just not into it. They just want to be
1: artistic, yeah. They but you, you, you know, you go in and you'd do, you would do your mornings tap ballet, and I mean, that was the other thing I had to get my head around was boys ballet. Yeah, you know, that was the biggest fit. I still have nightmares about it now. <laughs> Blue tights, white leotard. I mean, uh, God, I didn't like that. But there you go. Before you but, went, did you ever
0: speak to your mum and dad and express, or maybe you didn't even feel it? Did you worry at all, what if this didn't work out? Jumping from, uh, you know, a secondary school into this whole... It's a bit of a whole new world, really. I
1: I don't think we consciously thought of that. It was just a giant uh, actual leap into the unknown. I mean, look, my biggest fear for my kids is if they don't find something that infuses them and they enjoy and they can't apply themselves to. That's every parent's nightmare. It's my nightmare. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Of course. I mean, God, we're all fixed to our phones, aren't we, and everything, you know, particularly kids, you know, you've got to try and price that out of their hands. We try
0: not to be my little boy, who's six. Me and my wife were both on our phones... Yeah. ..about sort of five o'clock, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you two are just always on your phones. Yeah, yeah. And then my wife went, do you know what? Yeah. He's he's right. And yeah. He's six. Right, at six o'clock, phones go off. Yeah, no,
1: it's a great, great rule. We're trying... We're yeah, trying. and when it's they hard. go to bed, you get your phone out it, again. <laughs> it is hard. It
0: is hard. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. But um,
1: yeah, it was... Uh, so there was no worry, or was there? It was just... It, I don't think... It, 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 it was what it was. It was like a leap into the unknown. And I think... Be, but because I was so enthusiastic about it, because yeah. I was so... Because I wanted to do it, because I had a desire to do it, Then, you know, because it, look, as I am going back about my dad, it's probably a bit left field for my dad. My mum was always like, you know, uh, we'll support you. And then dad was like, all right, let's go for it, you know. And from day one, they've always been behind me. But obviously
0: it's been instilled from your parents about that work ethic. I've got that, but I
1: got that from my dad. I got it from my mum and my dad. But particularly my dad, that sort of, you know, getting up very early, Hard, uh, graft, you know, it's not, it's not easy what he does, but he obviously enjoys what he does. Oh, God. My dad's an absolute workaholic. Yeah. I mean, my agent's always saying to me, turn stuff down, Danny, you know, but I can see the merit and the benefit in everything that I do. Yeah. And a- any actor wor- wor- worth anything should participate because you never know what's going to come of something. You could actually say yes to a play and it could go through the roof. You could go to the West End, you could go to Broadway. You just don't know. Yeah. You could do... I always use... I mean, I know you don't like to talk about credits, but I did a film, Shifty, which was a micro-budget film, shot in three weeks, a week's rehearsal. I think, you know, there was no money in it, but I read the script from Iran Creever and thought, this is absolute dynamite. Went through the roof.
0: Yeah, it was a brilliant film. Cult film, film yeah.
1: uh, great experience, I uh, had a great time on it. So, But, you know, work breeds work. Exactly. And, you know... As you know, it's precarious and dog-eat-dog dog and there are a million pitfalls to it, but there's also great things that can happen. Of course there is. So you just got to put your foot in the door. You've got to yeah. keep it in the door. Yeah. You've got to keep working uh, and never give up.
0: So with being at Natalia Conti, obviously they're not just training you in one specific discipline. You've got loads of things being thrown at you there. You've yeah. got dancing, you've got singing... When yeah. did you go actually we need to sort of focus on one specific thing
1: Well as you get older uh, I can I, again it's another moment light bulb moment again when um I can remember doing my art GCSE coursework or yeah. I used to paint on the dining room table at home um I was doing my GCSE art and on channel 4 they had a retrospective of Didiro films, so you get older don 't you and you your taste change your tastes change, and it was like an amazing inspiration to me but i was I was painting every Sunday, and there was this bust of his head, and uh, you know it was this big thing, and every week there was like taxi driver. Godfather Part Two, Raging Ball, And I would be painting there, looking like... So as I'm painting, I'm watching at the same time, and I'm going, how the fuck can all of these performances be coming from the same person? It literally blew my mind. Yeah. Um. So, yes, I was getting inter- interested <laughs> in independent American cinema. No, but as I was getting older, and as I was maturing there at sally Conte. And as I was doing classes with Dennis, as I was doing improvisation classes, I thought, "Wow, this acting thing, man, this is good. This is so much more absorbing for me yeah. than dance, than musical theatre, tits and teeth." Yeah, I mean that's basically how it was. And I actually did recognise at the time. I thought to myself, <laughs> "There's, there's far." better longevity as an actor than there is really as a dancer or a musical theatre. Yeah, of course. There was that, but it was deeper than that. I, I was getting more and more drawn to what it means to internalise a character. It seemed a lot more serious and focused and meaningful just to focus on acting. And then I was, you know... And, and then I, I remember bunking off school. I remember me and my mate Alex... He said, come on, let's go. And we bunked off and we went and go and watch um, Pulp Fiction in Leicester Square. That's where I I also saw Pulp Fiction in Leicester Square. You
0: remember it used to be the Warner Brothers Cinema?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was yeah. the first
0: time they had those posters or the characters so on. So we
1: bumped off, yeah. Yes. And Alex had already seen the film. Right. there's obviously that iconic moment in it where he's down in the dungeon and Bruce Willis comes back <laughs> with the, with the uh, samurai sword and he pushes the door open and uh, Alex, instead of looking at the screen, just wanted to see what my reaction was <laughs> on my phone, my joy in the floor. But yeah, now I can remember... Uh, but I mean, I did... I did do me GCSEs at Italian Conti, and then I went on to the student course. So I did sort of another three years then uh, in the students. That's really when I just wanted to focus uh, on acting. Uh,
0: when you were 16, is this?
1: Yeah. So, excuse me, Windy Pops. Um, but I was missing more and more um, <laughs> dance classes and ballet, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, my attendance for those w- wasn't great. And, uh,
0: but you were focusing. And as we yeah. said, you're growing up, your tastes are changing. You want to focus on yeah. certain one thing. And once you start digging in that world, and where yeah. do you stop? It gets more exciting. Yeah.
1: And the other thing is, you should say about Contis is that, you know, I did get a few professional jobs. Do you well, know of what course, I mean? I mean, there was an there was always, those sort of things were happening. I remember doing a Mercury one to one commercial, and everyone used, to, you know, uh, those jobs came in. Uh, I remember actually being a young take that. We danced at the children's Royal Variety Performance. Did you? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Did you, so did you all audition for the Royal Variety Performance or was that something, right, we want the kids from no, I think Italia we No, I think
1: we did audition. I mean, it was when ta- and we danced with Take That. And it actually it's so funny, this story, is when they were just starting out and the show was at the Dominion Theatre... And their sort of changing room was sort of near us along the corridor, and they only had a handful of diehard fans. But they were the loveliest blokes. But we went, why are you called? Take that. Why aren't you called Gary in the Jocks Trap? <laughs> <laughs> they were lovely. But I do remember Robbie Williams being like, even them was sort of separate to them. That's another thing. Anyway i i could I recognize that, yeah, but they were hilarious, so we were, we 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 did it, it only takes a minute, girl, to fall in love, we did that track, so I did things like that, I did a you know, uh, did I do any other work? I didn't get much work did I? I did you find audition
0: at such a young age i mean sixteen I don't know
1: I don't know what I felt about that i do I do have really strong memories. Vivid memories of going up to the notice board at Italia Conzi outside the canteen. Why, is that where all the jobs That's were? That's where if your name you see, this is the other thing, you know, there is an argument that kids that small shouldn't be put in that position. Well. So but it was this big thing. If your name was on the list, you'd have to go up to the agency. You'd run up there all the way up, so you weren't allowed to use a lift. Sometimes we did. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to go up and, and you'd go in and say, What is it? and you'd find out what the audition was. You know.
0: But and do you remember? I don't really want to get into this too much. But do you remember what they were taking as an agency percentage wise?
1: Oh, I can't remember what that was. I mean, all of that sort of went that went over my head. Really, yeah. It was it was more just the absolute thrill and joy of getting an audition or actually actually getting the part. You know, yeah. Um, but it was just a beautiful, glorious time.
0: Glorious time. Can kind of I I'm not saying for one second that Italia Conti are fleecing their children by taking, like, 40% or whatever. Yeah, you're just,
1: someone's going to give
0: you a call. That's all right, we'll cut this bit out. Mm. Um, so when did you leave there, then? Another three years being
1: a student well, now? 19? Yeah, so this was a thing. I was, um... Just, I, I just wanted to act. That was the thing. Do you think
0: you were honing those skills in those three years? Did that help you, or did you feel a bit stifled and cramped?
1: No, I think it definitely gave me a training. I mean, you've seen me on stage. I mean, I'm very... On stage, I'm very physical. Mm. I mean, the physicality of a character is sort of, a lot of the time, key to me. And I I think that's definitely a, a consequence of the Michael Jackson routine, the dance training you get. Yeah. Um... But what I wanted was to be a straight, serious actor more than anything in the world. And it was there, and I thought to myself, well, what do I do? Do I go out and try and be an actor now? I've done six years.
0: And were there other, were there other students doing that? Were they just yeah, going some, off?
1: Yeah, some were going off and things like that. And But I I didn't... I don't want to do a disservice to Italia Conte or anything. No, it's you not. Know, right. But... Um, I thought, I've got to go to drama school, haven't I? If I'm going to be really serious about this, if I want to have longevity, I want to have the building bricks in place and the foundation. But obviously there was something within you, even at 19,
0: that, of course, you're going to have that arrogance of, of youth, but you, you wanted more. You needed to feel that. You needed to train more, and I think that's... Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, uh, the pull of drama school and... You know, you hear these names of, you know, Lambda and Central and RADA and all that sort of comes into play. And you think, how would that be? Maybe I should try that. Um, And the person that was a big influence on that time was Dennis, my first acting teacher, and he he was the one that said, look, if if you want to do it, I'd go for it. And we worked on the pieces together, and I can remember he tells his story all the time, because you had to do a Shakespeare piece and a contemporary piece. Naively, the only place I auditioned for was RADA. Stupid. I should have done it all. I should have done the Drama Centre, all the other... Was there any reason for that?
0: Or oh. did you think, that's the place I want to go? So there are... Well, there are... Right, just
1: naively, I just thought, well, if I'm going to go anywhere, I want to go to RADA because it's sort of reputed to be the best place. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, I should have tried for all of them. But anyway, I didn't, and uh, I chose Malvolio from Twelfth Night as my Shakespeare, and did uh, Joey from Road, (laughs) like everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, but I remember going to show the pieces to Dennis before the RADA audition, and specifically the Malvolio piece, and I I did the letter speech. Of course. And I, I can remember it, I made the letter myself... Threw it all out, coated it with coffee, Art- burnt the edges. Artists coming into play. All of that. Yeah. Used the handkerchief. All my idea. I showed it to Dennis, and he was just like, "That sounds so beginning. But I can't say anything about it. I don't want to touch it." That was it. He said, "You're ready. Go and do it."
0: Do you feel confident then when he said that, or did you think he the said, confidence he said I got within nothing,
1: you? I can't give you any ounce of. Uh, knowledge or or suggestions or anything. It's it's just...
0: Did you think he was going to say that?
1: No, I don't know. I I didn't know what he was going to say, but he said... uh, You know, he was sort of blown away, I think. And then I went to Rado. I went to the audition, uh, did the first audition, got through, got through the second panel, did a song at that one. I think you go for another round and then you eventually get to the day's workshop... And I was late. <laughs> went to the wrong fucking building, didn't I? There was Gower Street and Cheney Street. And, yeah. I, and I, was, I went to Cheney Street. It was the wrong building. And I was already 10 minutes late. And I was knocking on the door and the cleaner opened. At horrendous starts to the workshop. And I just said... Where Where is everyone? I <laughs> said, I'm here with my Brada workshop. And she was like, what? I said, Brada workshop. And she <laughs> went, over there. She said, you're in the <laughs> wrong building. So I was like, half an hour late. And my friend Susan Salmon, she was late as well. And I we ran in together. And I thought, I said, can you believe it? We're late anyway. Uh, and then you spend the whole day there doing workshop, Shakespeare, everything. And then you do... You did some
0: improvisation?
1: Did improvisation, movement, voice. They put you through your paces. It's like a football trial, isn't it, or something? Yeah, Lots of the the different
0: en- people assessing you. Yeah
1: yeah, 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 there's people observing you, and then at the end you do your uh, chosen monologue in front of the, all the other candidates.
0: And what did you choose?
1: I chose Laughing Wild by Christopher Durang, which is this neurotic uh, <laughs> New Yorker about flipping out in a supermarket... But it was an out-and-out comedy. Went down great, lot of laughs. And then uh, didn't hear anything for ages. Didn't hear anything for ages. And then I passed my driving test and I was in my red Mini Cooper and I was driving through Woodford and I had a brick Motorola mobile. One of those things. Yeah. And my phone went and uh, it was Nick Barter from RADA, the principal. Yeah. He said, he said, it's Nick Barter here. I went, oh, I went. Oh, I said, "Hold on, I'm driving. I said, "Hold <laughs> oh. on, oh, I'm driving." And I pulled over, and he told me it was just like incredible, absolutely. You know, I did I just. I was sort of shocked, really. Um, and that was it. That was that was the that was the beginning of going to to Rada. And the, and it was, yeah. Go on. No, I was just saying it's
0: fantastic. It's an amazing moment when you you get that call and you've got that place. Did you?
1: Did you get if a you, ever, Did you if worry you ever, about fees? If, if you ever uh, interview uh, Jason Watkins, yeah, which you should do because he's incredible, he is. ask about the time when he found out he got in rada. I won't spoil it. Don't spoil That's it. That's a little teaser. <laughs> eh? <laughs> See?
0: I'm always giving. There we go. Make, yeah. the, make the call, get
1: Oof. Watkins on. He's on it. Jason, I want a percentage of the fee. <laughs> what fee? No, <laughs> What do you mean there's no fee? <laughs> <laughs> You're paying us.
0: So what did you think, speaking of money, right, grants... Because you got, you got a, uh, an education yeah. a grant from your council for yeah. Italian Conte.
1: Yeah. Well, again, it was... Um, I had an amazing scholar in... Um, sponsoring Charles Wall, the Wall Trust, who... Um, not only does... Uh, so you weren't
0: eligible for a grant, or had the grant stopped at that point?
1: I, I think I was eligible then. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't get a local council grant for Arda, no.
0: I actually... Were they still dishing him out, do you know?
1: I, I don't know if they were as much. I didn't, definitely didn't have one. Yeah. I did have help through Charles War. It was an absolute blessing for me, cos not only does he do actors, he does sport, uh, musicians, everything, you know... And there was me, uh, I think Bertie Carville was with one of the Wall Scholars, as was Emma Lowndes, who's around the corner here, and Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, so, I a huge debt to, to Charles. Uh, astonishing generosity. And wouldn't so, what a- is
0: that organisation? Can you tell me a bit about it?
1: It's, a, it's a, it's a you know, like a, a, a trust in which he... I mean, he, I think he was a, an accountant, if I'm right, but...
0: And people apply.
1: Yeah, or I think what happened was Rada had put me, the lovely Pat Myers at Rada, who was then the registrar, put me in touch with them, and um, I had to go in and meet Charles and uh, the other trustees and had an interview, and they decided to take me on. There was also another uh, help, uh, another bit of help from Rada, and me mum and dad again contributed some of the fees.
0: But they were aware, Rada were aware that, like. You didn't have the money to pay for your fees. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did my fair share of writing as well. I mean, they've you have to, yeah, of course, uh, try and raise your own capital as well, you know. So, I was writing to, um, God, I don't know, Jeremy Irons and yeah. Michael Caine and all these people, you know what I mean, uh, to try and help. Um, did they? I think I got money from Jeremy Irons. I
0: think you remember you telling yeah, me yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I actually
1: got money from... Zo- I actually just got a bit of money from Zoe Wanamaker. Thank you very much, Zoe. Things like that. I think it was enough for a drink, but... <laughs> no, <laughs> everything, but. Everything everything helps.
0: Helps. But, um... I know Kenneth Branagh no, used to have, give a lot of money Yeah, you have as well. to...
1: You know, you've got to get off your arse and, and... Of course and, you have. You know, pave the way for yourself. But, um... You know, there's a, there is that massive debate there, isn't it, now, about uh, working-class kids, people from poorer backgrounds going to drama school and that. I have to say, very recently, Rada asked me to front an initiative that they're doing to try and uh, get more kids from poorer backgrounds from around the country into drama school. And, and you know, it's been well-documented, is not it? I think yeah. Radha, more than anyone... Go above and beyond to try and make that the reality, and I know that they do. Well,
0: I know that I was only reading the other day about, and I don't know if this is true about all drama schools, but I certainly know it is with RADA that um, people from poorer backgrounds who can't afford or the audition fee, mm. they either they chop it or they waive it.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: They do help them out like that because audition fees it can get well, expensive that, that, I mean, when you're shopping around for drama I, I'm, schools. and right, rightly
1: so. I mean. The thought of not having the money to actually pay for the audition just to get you in the door is just horrendous. Well, I read, it was only last night,
0: actually, I read a statistic and they didn't, this this group who found this out, didn't, uh, I'm still trying to get the name of the drama school, but yeah. they wouldn't give it to me. Yeah. They found out that one of the top, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the top drama schools yeah. makes 102,000 a year on audition fees really? alone, uh, and when they were asked, "Well, what what do you what do you do with that money?" Yeah. They wouldn't, didn't tell them. Oh. Uh, so surely sure. that should be getting put back into the school. But should be. Do we? Yeah, I think audition fees uh, need to be
1: halved. But any any kid, you know, on a council estate or anywhere that's going to listen to this or wants to go to drama school can be done. Of course, it can. You have to have. The passion, the drive, uh, and the determination to make it happen.
0: Well, you're going to need it at the end of three years, anyway.
1: But make no bones about it—you know, as we all know, it's such a tricky industry. Yeah. You have to put your armor plating on, and you have to make things happen. No one's going to give you an opportunity. No one's going to—you know—you've got to go out and grab it with both hands. And you shouldn't expect it either. You shouldn't expect it. It's not—it's not a right for you to have that. So, you know, it can't listen, everything comes with, from within, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you've got to have a fire in your belly that's going to take you there and make things happen so the door does open, but you know, because it... there are always ways and means. There are always organisations like the Wall Trust, like the other organisations that RADA have or whatever drama school we're talking about, where they will see talent, they will see potential in someone. Yeah. You know? Because I always say, like, drama school... You have got whatever talent you've got, you've got. Yeah? Yeah. It gets you in the door, it gets you through the audition process, and it gets you a place there, right? Yeah. That never leaves you. No. That's your, part of your DNA, it's part of your makeup. What Drama School gives you is the tools to go with it the accents, the movement, the voice, opening your mind up to different writers and playwrights and modes yeah. of theatre. It equips you. And you're putting all this
0: stuff in your backpack over the three yeah. years. You might not pull one of those things out for ten years, but it's exactly. there. You've still bag of got tools. it. Go yeah. out there with your bag of tools. Yeah, well, Look. it's like your dad. He's yeah, got exactly. his tools in there. It's exactly the same.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 a craft. Mm. You can you know, you can learn how to do it, but the thing that gets you through the door in the first place. Is the fire within, that's it.
0: And the talent that's that you your, brought, you brought that to the your, door. They didn't talent. give that to you, you brought that to them. Yeah. And they're just building on you. Yeah. I think you're right. I think anybody I mean, listening like raw, to this.
1: It's like raw talent. Like when, when, and when I left Rada, you know, uh, it, it's such a glorious time. Ta- it's when you leave drama, it's horrendous, really. It's glorious and it's awful because. Well, it's terrifying. It's as well, terrifying. Right? You're going out into the big wide world. You know, some people have signed with agents, others haven't. Uh and you're there in the big wide world and you gotta seek employment, right? But you know, you're so green, you don't know any nothing. And all you've got you just so you, you you just got that fire, man, just to go out and conquer the whole world. I mean I was like I was like possessed, you know, remember <laughs> yeah, we were yeah, flatmates. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we both were. Yeah, yeah, course. You know, there's so you've got no kids, you've got no responsibilities, you've got It's just that single
0: craze work ethic. That's all you want to do. Feed yourself.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, luckily things happen and and the ball starts to roll. How do you
0: deal with the times when they don't happen or it's hard to get that that fire stoked in your belly? Um,
1: Well, listen, I didn't, I left Rada uh, Mm -hmm. and I didn't work for nearly like six months. I'd signed with London Management. I'd signed with Sarah Spear, who I'm still with now. They're now at the brilliant Curtis Brown. Um, But I was working as at Jane Collins Casting. I was a casting assistant. I was operating the camera. She was a commercials casting person in King's Cross. Right. And um, I was just... I actually ended up taking the, the castings for all the extras... They had to do, like, a little simple acting thing. and uh, But I was going in for things, wasn't getting anything. Horre- or just awful, awful, you know, f- fearful time of going, what have I done? What do I do now? I've thrown all my eggs in one basket and I'm not getting any bites. But at least you weren't sat on your ass waiting for the phone to ring. You were out there earning some money. No, I was earning money, yeah. No, I was, uh, I was you know, trying to stay positive and then all of a sudden I got an audition for EastEnders. Julia Crampsey, the casting director, director, went in. It was to play Kevin, uh, the ex-boyfriend of the Slaters when they arrived. I remember it well. uh, Chained himself up to the gate like a suffragette.
0: I just remember us shouting up to the window. Was it raining?
1: Yeah, it was all that, yeah. So, but the thing that happened was, I got four episodes on that. And I cannot stress this enough. It's the relationships that you build up and it was from, that was the first meaningful professional relationship I had, uh, was with Julia Crampsey and she saw me, she cast me in EastEnders and then she cast me in a show called In Deep with Stephen Tompkinson and Nick Berry. But it was that connection. Yeah. So it was, you, you quickly learn to make friends with good people. yeah. Casting directors, producers, directors, build up a network of people and go in and smash the job, know your lines, uh, give it your all, and things start to happen. Like, it's like a push and pull thing, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Someone, I was at dinner with a producer the other day, and he said, the thing is, like, it's like, it's push and it's pull. You come out of drama school and you just push with all your might just to get noticed, just to put your head above the parapet, just to get recognition, just to get something. Yeah. And then things start to happen, and, and and this, that, and the other, and then you start to get traction, and then you can stop pushing a little bit. And then it's always like trial and error. It's always like it's, Course it it's an ever-changing thing, you know. So... Um, Do you feel it has changed
0: over the sort of, what, 20 years now, isn't it, Dan?
1: Well, uh, I graduated rather year 2000, so, yeah. Yeah, coming nearly, up. Nearly 20 years. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you <laughs> feel, nearly 20 years ago do you feel, now. Do
0: you feel it's changed, the business, little aspects of it? Um, or certain attitudes have changed?
1: Not overtly, no. I think you still... Look, it, it's still about you <laughs> getting a, a call, getting a script through. This is the time and the place. Doing the own these, work. These are the people that you're going to meet. Yeah. This is the script. Read it. Prepare. And do the best you can. That's really all you can do. Yeah. But learn it. Have a clear understanding of what you're going to do in the room. Have your own take on it, and leave it all in the room. I always say to young actors when they ask for advice, I say like, don't ever leave an audition and think I could have done this or so I didn't do that. Yeah.
0: Try You've and got to leave it, 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 you
1: just got to leave it. But you know. that
0: comes with time, I think, as well. Because sometimes, I know younger actors spoke to me going, you know, I had this audition, uh, and then uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it on the way home. And then I was like, oh, why did I say that? I shouldn't have done that. Just, yeah. you, ju- you do have to leave it there. but I think that comes with time. I think so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing is... Um... But also, I- I've been in that situation still... Up until now, that sometimes I, I find it hard to leave it in the room. Sometimes, do you, right. on, on certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can yeah. you honestly say that you can really leave it in the room after every job? now?
1: No, I mean, look, like, every, every audition you do is not going. You're not. It's not going to go according to plan. Sometimes, no. and sometimes you have an off day, don't you? Well, that's power. Pa- that's that, that's but, not. That, you
0: can't control that. That's no, no, you sense can't. Sense of the power. You can only control what you do. But
1: I, I, I mean, look, I, I've stayed in the game. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like you, like a lot of our friends. Yeah, and it's 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 not and,
0: so, and some have dropped away some over the years. Your, yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 because it's precarious, because it's difficult, because it's overpopulated, because there is a lot of talented actors out there. True, and we're all going for the same thing. I've learned over the years to let all that go. Yeah. I was a bit like a bear with a sore head. If I don't get the part, my agent's probably listening to because You're like that now, Danny. No. But I don't I, think you are, no, actually. I think you've changed me- a lot. I've mellowed out. Yeah. I was, you know, like I said, it's like life and death when you first start out. But, you know, you get older, you mature. I've got kids now. I think, in actual fact, the drive <laughs> in order to work just shifts. It doesn't well, of really... course it is, because your priorities change. Yeah. I'm there to provide for my family and to put a roof over their head and to pay for school fees and, uh, you know, just to provide. And so that really now is my becomes my driving force. But and uh, not in a
0: selfish way. You still need to feed your artistic... You, you need to yeah. get that level up as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah,
1: but then all of a sudden you'll get a... Uh, you know, a project will come along, which you know, ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Case in point recently against the law with Fergus O'Brien. Just something I'd never attempted before, an amazing script by Brian Phillips, and you think, wow, that is a challenge. That is something I've never done. Can I do that? Of course you can. Really scared of doing it, but let's
0: jump in and do it. But how brilliant that they cast you, a working-class actor, in that part. Yeah. And I felt really privileged. But they obviously need... But they could quite easily... Of gone yeah. the same old route by casting uh, a, a very sort of one of the well-known upper-class actors. To they do could that.
1: have cast a well-known gay actor, really. Yeah. I mean, they could have gone down that route, of but course. it was really uh, it felt like a breath of fresh air, and I felt incredibly lucky that. I mean, I, I, I did think, well, well, I, this is not normally the role that I play, um, but what I'm saying to you is. The longer you stay in it, if you have that longevity, if you are consistently professional, you learn your lines, you try and stretch yourself as a performer, if you stay in it long enough, something will happen. Sure. A part will come along or a project will be offered to you where you think, wow, this is just like, you know... I mean, John Hurt died recently, and I saw this amazing interview with him, and he was saying the process of acting, even to him the latter stages of his life it was always evolving it was always changing it was always going deeper and deeper within himself yeah there are still i mean that's the beauty and the mystique of the acting profession is you can you can do anything really and also you never stop learning you never yeah. stop learning and that's a great thing you know it's um dan have you ever thought about giving it up have you ever thought about stopping no because it's it's uh, a compulsion yeah it's like a um, a deep need to, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's sometimes where you're, you know, you've missed out on a part that you really want and, you know, I've had to cope with rejection and knockbacks as much as the next actor. Um, Joe do not think that, that's the other thing.
0: Yeah, of course. You know,
1: because there's also a huge goodwill that goes into all this acting lark as well. You know, you've got to be lucky enough to get the part, you've then got to go through the hard process of filming it, but then you promote it and things like that. You never get paid for any of that. You know, do you understand what yeah. I mean? You go on these talk shows and things like that. There's so much goodwill that goes with it. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, jobbing actors, which is really how I class myself. Yeah. A jobbing character actor... There I've said it. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you go like, you've got on the talk shows and things like that. That's all like that's you know that's it, part and parcel of it. Selling the product. Of course. But um you know, uh but you know, Joe Blogs think, Oh, you must be doing well, you're always on the telly and things like that. But the reality of that is so far removed from what they think it is. Of course. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed that. Cheers. I mean, it's like, it's we, right, did, we, it? did, we didn't touch on the fact that we were flatmates, really, did we? I think, I don't know if people know, me and Dan were flatmates yeah.
0: for a while, when we were young, free and single. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough to and I that. remember, actually, um, when you had, uh, didn't we have up in the living room a, dra- uh, a painting of your De Niro?
1: Yeah,
0: was I've it, got it. No, it was Raging Bull, wasn't
1: it? Or was it a taxi driver? One? It, was, it was all my favourite De Niro Yeah, there was loads, wasn't there? I think there was one up I've, in the I've kitchen as well yeah I've got I've got it I've got it up at home Um yeah everything's on there Raging Bull Taxi Driver King of Comedy all of it yeah that shows you how much of a fan I was Um but this is alright I'm glad you enjoyed it no I really did I mean and it was actually really refreshing to not talk about the credits that you've but, got but that's I mean, it's so much. I've really enjoyed sort of going back way back to sort of You know, discover and to talk about and to reminisce and where it all came from, and the actual path that you've gone on. Yeah, um, you know,
0: as as we were saying before, you know, talking about the credits and stuff is when you sign up for the job. You know, that's part and parcel of it. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of the job, Mm. that film, that TV piece, that theatre piece. Sometimes it can be a bit dull. That's why I don't want to. That's why I don't want to do this on on the podcast. And people who are listening to that, if they want to know, yeah. they, can e- they can easily find back interviews and stuff on the yeah. internet. Can't find this.
1: Yeah, no. But and the other thing, we should say really. I'm just talking about young actors that I always. Uh, my advice is to, to do theatre as well. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Because as much as anything, um, you know, film and TV. Obviously, it pays the bills. But there's only so much you can do waiting around on a unit base to be used. It's just step on the boards and, you know, give a performance over the course of an evening. You're
0: getting different different tools out of your bag, though, aren't you? It's completely different. But
1: you you like to keep your anime theatre as well, don't you?
0: I love to, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I do. I do love to. But it's hard with me sometimes because I I live out of London now. Yeah. I think it, it. it's got to be something really special and it's got to be yeah, the right yeah, part. Yeah. And it, it's also got to be special, it's also got to be the right part, it's got to be the right director, it's got to be the right play. Yeah, You're forever looking for that.
1: Yeah, it's always a number of factors why you say yes to a part, isn't it?
0: With theatre or with any job, Yeah, it? Danny Mays, you're an absolute joy. Love you're me. a legend,
1: Parky, thanks a lot.
0: And there we go. What about that? It's just brilliant, isn't it? Um... Yeah, look, I love Dan to bits. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. And, you know, that is Dan. He has got his feet firmly on the floor and uh, he doesn't put on any airs and graces. He is who he is and he's true to himself and that's what makes him such a fantastic person and a a one-of-a-kind actor. I think he's a brilliant actor. Dan, thank you. Episode 21 next week, which I will tell you about on Monday, as usual, on Twitter, at TwoShotPod. It'll be on the Facebook, at TwoShotPod, Instagram too, you know that. I'm on Twitter, at CParks1976. But let's jump forward, right, to 2018. Now, this has all happened in the past three, four days, really, but we're very honoured to say that the podcast, myself and Griff, have been invited to three different festivals next year to host the Two Shot podcast live, 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 live. live. Um, and we're mega excited and honoured. It's uh, These are three very different festivals, Um and I've been to two of them as a punter and love them. So to be there and to take the podcast there is uh, thrilling. So they're going to be all around the UK. There's three or different places around the UK, so I'm sure you'll be able to get to one of them. Or maybe you want to come to all three. There will be different guests in all three. That's something that we are uh, going to have a big meeting about very soon and who we can get on Uh, and before that of course in 2018 we are opening the podcast out just a little bit I mean it's still going to be about creatives we're still going to have actors on but it's all about the stories all about human stories and we are gonna have I've got lined up I've got musicians I've got DJs I've got a poet got a fantastic artist i've got directors i've got producers yeah look the list goes on um it's just gonna get bigger and better meeting fantastic people telling their stories and uh getting the kettle on and having a natter you take care of yourself and i will see you next week for episode 21 yeah i've been craig parkinson he has been producer Griff and this has been the Two Shot Podcast thanks so much for downloading and joining us and we'll see you next week, alright take it easy The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block our music, our brilliant music is courtesy of Then Thickens